You're listening to the weekly Calvary Chapel Divine Digital Devotion with Pastor Michael Petit. Hello, it's uh, Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel Divine. I hope that you're having a uh, a wonderful week. I know that uh, as we dive into our Calvary Chapel uh, Digital Devotion this week, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter one, verse twenty-one. Uh, really, the verse that summarizes uh, the birth of Christ and why Christ came. And, and uh, it, it says simply, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save their people from their sins. Uh, the question that people will ask is why why was Jesus born? You know, this this is the purpose to save us because we have a sin problem. Um, you know, if we talk about like a fallen world, uh, some people may not understand what that means, and that's okay, because I didn't, I know when I first came to know the Lord, I, I always asked the question, you know, well, why would God allow wars, or why would God allow illness, or sickness, or diseases, um, murder, stuff like that, but that all comes from uh, Adam and Eve from the fall in the garden. Uh, the, this world was perfect. Um, uh, we have free will, and they, they chose to sin. And from that point on, uh, death entered the world, uh, sickness entered the world. That's why we have wars. That's why we have all these different uh, things that we know are sin, whether it's murder or theft or whatever, uh, you know, that, that our, our flesh allows. Is, is This is the purpose why Jesus came to save to save his people from their sins. We needed a redeemer. We needed the Messiah. We needed uh, that young teenager, Mary, uh, to, to carry the birth of, of the Holy One, the Messiah. And, and uh, which, you know, which is one of the things we talked about last night was just her humility and obedience. You know, um, that's one of the things that always blows me away when I read the book of Daniel. You, you get this, this view of these, these young men that were 15, you know, 14, 15, or 16 years old around that time frame, and you're just like blown away by their faith. Uh, same here with Mary and Joseph. Um, you know, they, they, you know, Joseph was a little trying to figure it out at first, but he did. Um, but one of the things we need to remember is that we, when we talk about sin, uh, we can't make ourselves clean. Uh, that's, that's one thing that we need to remember. Paul, the apostle Paul even shared this, you know, um, in first Timothy chapter one, verse 15, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of, of whom I'm the chief. He, he sent his son to save us. Um, and, and it comes down to uh, repentance. It comes down to actually admitting that we're a sinner. Um, and and I, that's where a lot of people struggle because they're, they're prideful. Um, I know I was. I was prideful for 39 years. I thought I could figure things out my own way. And, uh, you know, what did I need Christ for? You know, I only need Christ when I need something. That's how I treated it. You know, I believed in God enough to, to rub that, you know, almost like a genie in a bottle, you know, that's how I, how I looked at it, and it was wrong, but, um, you know, Peter said it very simply in Acts chapter 2, verses 38, um, he said, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Uh, and then verse 39 says, For the promise is to you and to your children and all uh, to all who are afar as many as the Lord God will call. And, and so no one else can take away our sins. We have to repent. There's no, and this is one of the things I had spoke about. There's really, I, I don't know how many of us, um, you know, I, when my mom remarried, she married a Catholic. And so we, we went to uh, catechism school and I can remember repenting for the first time, going in and doing confessional and thinking, okay, let me confess stuff. And I didn't know how long I was supposed to go or what. And so, and then I was like, what if I miss something and I die? What's going to happen to me? You know, and, and the priest and uh, the answer you would get is, well, who knows? You know, it's <laughs> there was no answer. Like, am I going to hell if I'm, you know, if I didn't confess everything? And so the only one that can take our, our sins away, our sins, is Jesus Christ. Um, it's There's no scale of good outweighs the bad. Uh, there's no uh, priest that you need to go to. Remember, the veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross, uh, allowing access for us to have access to the Father. You just need to repent. Um, that's even for you if you're following Christ and you're in sin. Maybe maybe you've had a rough year and you've, you've fallen back into some, uh, I don't want to call them bad habits, but you've fallen in back into watching pornography. You need to confess that sin. You need to you need to deal with the sin, and and so one of the things I love is is something that was in the book of Acts, and that that kind of lets us know that Jesus is the only way. In Acts chapter four, verses ten through twelve, it says, "Let it be known to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him." This man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by your builders, meaning that uh, they crucified him. Y'all rejected him, which has become the chief cornerstone. And this is the very important part in verse 12 of Acts chapter 4. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's nobody else that can save you. It's only Jesus. You know, there there are people that believe that, you know, and this is the funny thing I always, well, I don't know if it's funny, but you always hear, you know, there when we look at the prophecy, there's over 300 prophecies of the birth, uh, the life, the resurrection, and the death of Jesus Christ. 300 that have been fulfilled. Um, and, and by saying that, um, there's no prophecies in Islam, in the book, in the Quran of Muhammad being born or coming, uh, there was none of Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon. Only Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ. This is important for us to understand. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Which means Jesus Christ is the only way. And that's why it tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verses uh, 4 through 7, it says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth His uh, the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. 
and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. It's the only way you become a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, and you know uh, you're no longer a slave to sin. You know you you you've been uh, forgiven of that sin, a debt that you could never pay. Um, you know the the penalty of sin is death, and there's not sins but sin. So only one sin, and you're guilty. Uh, and Jesus paid that by by going to the cross with His precious blood, and that's in. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 it says in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace uh, that's the thing that we need to remember is like man I, I, I can tell you I was a messed up person I was broken and when I read that verse in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 I can remember you know as I you know stumbled into church in 2008 after Thanksgiving in a broken marriage, 22 years of uh, pain and agony that I caused my wife and my kids. You know, verbally abusive, uh, addicted to pornography, um, you know, committed adultery uh, early on in the marriage and, and just broke my wife's heart time and time again. And yet Jesus forgave me. And, and I can remember hearing that verse for the first time, saying that, that he came to save sinners, all. And I thought, there's no way that God could save me. I'm so far gone, you know. I'm too far gone, but uh, I, I can tell you, I, I wish I could tell you I got saved during Christmas. I didn't get saved until January 11th of 2009. You know why? Uh, I love darkness. I was in the dark still. In John 3.19, it says, and, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. People choose the dark. You know, even though the light has been presented to them. I know for me, I had been in church that whole time, and I had chosen, uh, I had chosen the, the, the darkness. And... Um, you know, but what ends up happening is you, you wear yourself down. You have no peace when you're in the darkness. You have no peace when you're in your sin. It tells you that in Isaiah 48, 22. It says, There's, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. You have no peace. You have no peace. It's, it's, you, you may have little moments of, you know, where you're, you think you've got your, your feet settled and you're good to go and there, but there's no peace when you're in darkness there really isn't uh, you have to i think one of the things we were talking about is like uh, knowing people in our lives that we believe that could never be saved and and i i i have an example of that i have um, a brother which i love to death and and we didn't think he was anywhere in a place to be saved. Uh, my father, who is a recovering alcoholic, who's been sober for over 30-something years, had tried to speak to him. My brother was, a, was an alcoholic since he was 14, 15 years old. And, and, and what was worse is he became a functioning alcoholic. And as a functioning al alcoholic, he was doing extremely well. But his alcohol eventually caused his downfall um, and, and eventually put him in jail. And it was in jail where he found Jesus Christ. 
And you go, why did it take jail for that? Because that, that was the end. That's how he got to the end of himself. For me, the end of myself was, you know, having a, a marriage after 22 years, uh, the possibility of divorce. I did not want divorce. I, I, there was, I would have done anything to try to keep us from going through what we went through as kids. I didn't want that for my kids. And, and so one of the things I, I remember my pastor sharing with me is like, what are you sowing into? You know, he, he read to me Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. He says, do not be deceived. God is, is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. And I love verse 8 because it explains that. It says, for if he sows to the flesh, he will reap. Uh, or if he sows to the flesh of uh, the flesh, reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, will the, of the Spirit reap everlasting life? It's such a big uh, contrast of, of verses there, right? There's just this battle that happens between the flesh and the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, uh, through 26. Very simply, I won't read all of this, but I, I just want to kind of give you the, the difference of the flesh reaping to, uh, sowing into the flesh and what you'll reap. It says, Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentiousness, jealous, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murderous drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, the difference between the flesh and uh, the spirit are extremely evident. Uh, if you're walking in the spirit, it, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And all of that begins with love. All of that begins with love. And so what we, uh, we know is that when you're in sin, you, you're basically, in, in a way, um, I guess the easiest example that you could show is is the example of uh, like a dog, um, a dog that chases his tail. Have you ever seen a dog that just goes round and around and around and around chasing his tail? And that's kind of what we do when we're in when we're dealing with sin. Um, and, and there's a verse that talks about that, whether it's the uh, lust of the eyes, the uh, lust of the flesh, or the pride of life is what you're chasing. And those are the the things that we chase and. Um, you know, it's important for us to understand that, that when we look at um, these verses, and you may think, man, there's no way that God would love me where I'm at right now. And, but you have to understand, it's, it's not based on anything you do. God loves you. And, and if you're in sin, wants you to repent and follow Him. It tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means He loved you in your mess. He loved me back when I was just attending church and I hadn't made the decision to, to, to follow Christ. And yet he, the Holy Spirit was, was urging me and knocking on my heart to, to follow Jesus. And I made that decision on January 11th of 2009. It's important to understand that, that you know, as bad as I was, and, and understand this, the effects that it had not on just me, but my kids, 
um, my wife, the effects that it had on us overall uh, was 22 years of mess. 22 years of mess of a marriage that was a mess, kids that were a mess, suicidal. Um, uh, we had one that tried to commit suicide. I mean, we, this is all before Christ, and yet God, God saved every one of them. And the beauty of it, it says in Psalm 103.12, is as far as the east from the west, so far as he's removed our transgressions from us, when we give our life to Christ, those sins are forgiven. See, that's the gospel message. That's the gospel message. That's the understand that, that you were in this horrible pit and, and the only one that would get down into the pit and pick you up and carry you out was Jesus Christ. Was Jesus Christ. In Psalm 40 verse 2 it says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Do you understand? Like, that's, that's God is going into the pit and setting your feet upon the rock and establishing your steps. And He cleans that mud off of you. Uh, it, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of the gospel. Even Mary, you know, as Mary is is contemplating and and, and having uh, the birth of Christ, Mary needed to be saved just as much as anybody else. Remember when the wise men come? Who did the wise men worship? Him. Worshipped him. That's what it says in Scripture. They worshipped him, not Mary. Mary needed Jesus just as much as we did. And I love this because it says in, in Matthew chapter 1, verse uh, 22, it says, And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, and prophecy being fulfilled. In Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that goes back to the, the prophecy being fulfilled in Isaiah 7, 14. It's the prophecy being fulfilled, the first gospel in Genesis chapter 3, 15. When Adam and Eve fell, what did God say? He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was the first announcement of the Redeemer coming. You have to understand, like, at the end of the day, God's word goes out. The prophecy's fulfilled. And, and what's sad is because there's been so much misinformation and so much fake news that is out there that people don't even care that prophecies were fulfilled. They don't care. And that's sad. Because it just, it, you have to understand the Bible when, when you actually study the, the Word of God, you realize that the Bible prophecies that were fulfilled time and time again. God said this, and it was promised, and it was done. You know, that's why it says in Isaiah 55, 11, So shall my word be that goes forth my mouth, it shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what, what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. He said that he was going to send his son. God's word will never fade out. That's one thing that we need to remember 
It's God's word. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. God's word stands forever, and we cannot forget that. But yet we do. Yet we do. We think everything is impossible for God. Oh, God couldn't do that in my life. It's not possible. You know what? The impossible is possible with God. It's impossible for you to create something out of nothing. But that's what God did when he created the cosmos. In Jeremiah 32, verse 17, it says, Oh, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Was it impossible for Abram and, and Abraham and Sarah to have a child when she's 80 to 90 years old? In Genesis 17, 17, not for God. Not for God. Not for Zacharias either. You know, as, as John was born, John the Baptist. Was it possible for the Israelites to walk across the Red Sea or the Jordan River during the rainy season? As the river is raging, they walked right across it. It's not impossible. It's in God's Word in Exodus 14.22 and Joshua 14, verses 14 through 17. Was it impossible for an animal to speak? No, nope, not for God. It was possible. Yet Balaam had a donkey do just that in Numbers chapter 22, verses 23 through 30. We have to understand that that verse, how beautiful that verse is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that God came to save the sinner. All people, not just some, you know, you don't, go, you don't go, well, I'm a Muslim. There's no way that Jesus would save me. Jesus will save you. You need to repent and ask Christ into your heart. If you're a Mormon, same thing. It's like it's, it's Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We just gave you the scriptures that show that. And so why am I so adamant about that? It's not that I'm trying to be right or wrong or, or any of that stuff. It's just I'm trying to make sure you understand the birth of Christ and, and why Jesus came. Because I think a lot of there's a lot of information out there that's become more commercial. And we look at the side of, of, of Satan, I mean Santa, um, you know, because it's, it's a commercial side. We see the it's all about shopping and parties and 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 spending money and 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 even even in chicago one of the things that i read uh today is that they in chicago they they've allowed the the satanic temple to put up a display in the capital in the capital of chicago and you can't figure out why chicago's in such chaos but they keep allowing the devil and devil worship to happen not only in Chicago, but in the capital, in the government, and and so you keep allowing that type of stuff, you're gonna get, you're gonna reap what you are sowing into. If you're sowing into the flesh, that government's gonna do what? Reap the flesh. And it's sad because you, you, it's affecting so many other people, and and they're not getting it, and and so it's not what Christmas is about. And there we go. Somebody's popping off fireworks. That's awesome. All right. I'm going to read you something real quick, and then we'll close out here. I know I went a little bit long today, uh, but I just wanted to make sure we kind of talked about this a little bit. 
just because it's, it's what Christmas is about, there has to be a response to Christmas. And, and I want to read this to you. This is from Pastor Tim Brown. I actually found this on Bill Holdridge's page, so I don't want to take credit for it. It's his. Um, it's really good, and I just want to read this to you. It says, No one knew it was Christmas Eve. Only one star was twinkling, but only a few foreigners bundled themselves up to follow the Christmas light. The greatest choir ever assembled was singing, but only a few shepherds in the wilderness had tickets. And though they saw the light and heard the music, the wise man and the shepherds had no idea what any of this meant. How could they? No gifts were being exchanged. No hugs were given. If hope was in the air, no one felt it. This was joy to the world, yet the world in solemn still lay, and stillness lay. No one knew it was Christmas Day. The equivalent of a thousand suns crashed into our planet, yet no one felt a thing. No sirens went off, no alarms were rung, there was no rushing wind or no reverberations in the earth, and no oceans rising above their levels. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. The Roman army did not march, the Sanhedrin did not gather, nor did the philosophers ponder. The sun kept shining, the flowers kept growing, and the rivers continued their pilgrimage to the sea. Yet everything had changed. One was born who would undo the curse far as the curse is found. The kingdom of darkness shuddered, sin met its match, death shook, hell quivered, the grave chewed its fingernails, the devil gnawed his tongue. The gift was so silently on the first morning didn't remain wrapped in, uh, in, silent, in swaddling silence. The rise, that voice began to shatter the kingdom of darkness and give hope to the kingdom of men. Demons and disease, wind and wave, blind eye and broken limb bowed before him. The voice was heard in Jerusalem and then grew loud enough to be heard in Judea. Those, uh, those in Samaria heard the rising volume of the voice and then it exploded to the uttermost parts of the earth. Today, the roar of the lion, the tribe of Judah, reaches every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And though the heathen rage against the Lord and against his Christ, they cannot stop Christmas from engulfing our planet, obliterating the curse, and bringing salvation to all who came, uh, who call upon the name of the Lord. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Matthew one twenty one. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Jesus came to earth for us so we could go to heaven with him. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. It's not all the commercial stuff. It's not all the, the chaos. It's like I was telling the church last night. It's, it's just a matter of time. On Christmas Day, you, you can go to Walmart right now. Everything's done switched over to, to New Year's. They already got the exercise equipment coming out. They have all the totes coming out. On, on Christmas morning, all the radio stations will stop playing Christmas music probably around 1 or 2 o'clock and go back to their, their regular stuff. 
that's that's what happens. But we know that that Christmas in Christ, Christ is every day. And and Christ is in the business of saving people from their sins and providing an eternal ticket to heaven, knowing that your past, your present, your future sins are forgiven. And that you get to live for him today, that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And that God wants to use you today for the kingdom of God. That you are a follower of Christ. And it's you get to tell people about Jesus and share that. And, and that's, what, that's what Christmas is about. So what is your response to Christmas? What is your response to Christmas? That's a big question. But if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. Uh, you just have to pray this prayer after me, and, and uh, there's no magical thing that happens with the prayer. It's what you're doing is you're confessing your sins. You're asking Jesus Christ to, to forgive you of your sins, to repent, to ask him into your heart. And, and then what happens is God fills you with the Holy Spirit and, and uh, you, you become a follower of Christ. And, and Christ wants to make you a new creation in Him. And uh, you, He wants to use you immediately for the kingdom of God. And we saw that in the book of Acts. Uh, as the church grew immediately, it was just amazing. Just repeat this prayer after me. Father God, I come before you. I repent of my sins. I ask Christ into my heart. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, our Savior, that He died on the cross for my sins and was resurrected. I ask you to come into my heart, Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and let me live my days for you. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you said that prayer and you're needing a church, we would love to have you at Calvary Chapel Divine here in Divine, Texas. If you're in San Antonio or uh, maybe somewhere else across the nation or in, even around the world, if you need a church, let me know and I'll help you find one. Keys to finding a good church, they need to be teaching a biblical teaching of the Bible, which means all the way from Genesis to Revelation. A good start is finding one that teaches verse by verse, chapter by chapter. That's what Calvary Chapel does. Um, we would love to have you at our church, but if you need to find one in your area, I'll gladly help you do that. If you need a Bible, uh, they have the free Bible app on your phone, which is amazing. and It gives you all the scripture. I would suggest that you start reading the Word of God and, and maybe start with the book of Mark or the book of John um, to learn about the story of Jesus. Um, and, and, and if you, you know, if you need anything at all, you can reach me at, uh, calvarydivine at gmail.com, or you can just go to our website at calvarydivine.org, uh, calvarydivine.org to get more information. And if you need prayer, there's a place for you to submit a prayer request on there. If you need to get a hold of me, there's a place for you to do that as well. If you have any questions at all, please get with me. If you've given your life to Christ, I'd love to hear from you. I want to thank you. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and uh, share the gospel with somebody this Christmas. That's the greatest gift they need. 
God bless y'all. Y'all have a good one. God bless. Thank you so much for joining the Calvary Chapel Weekly Devotion. I hope that you have a wonderful week, and we pray if you'd like to listen to more of the devotions or uh, any of the sermons, you can do all of that at our website at calvarydivine.org. You can also get in contact with me, uh, submit a prayer request, and uh, find out about other events that are happening in our uh, church and in our area uh, that we're participating in. So calvarydivine.org. God bless. Thank you.